Welcome to the Dave Palma Show, the podcast that revives, restores, and awakens your innermost capabilities. You have the training and the talent to succeed, but do you have the guts to fail? I love what I do. When you love what you do, you want to be the best at it. Today is about the power of you. You will change the world. Find your path to success through the journey of those who have succeeded. And now, your host, Dave Palma. Hi, welcome, welcome back to the Dave Palmer Show. And with me in this episode, I have someone who moved abroad to build a company from scratch in Costa Rica. We'll be discussing advanced telemarketing strategy, conflict management, interpersonal soft skill, customer support, rhetoric, gratification, employee motivation, and phonetic micro-expressing read. And um, before that, we'll go into um, my... Uh, guest's story about how he started this and, and built this successful business in the first place. So Richard Blank, welcome to the Dave Palmer Show. Dave, thank you so much for inviting me. I could say good evening to you and good morning to me in Costa Rica. It's amazing. Yeah, how yeah. Actually, it's about it's three in the morning, actually. Yeah. And actually, I, I, I've repatriated back to the UK from Philippines. So it's it's kind of like nighttime there. It's 10 at night there. So you would have been you would have been speaking to me at 10 at night. <laughs> Unbelievable. 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 I, I think it's amazing that we both take the time in our worlds to come together. So I'm really looking forward to spending time with you and your audience today. Yeah. So I'm at first, I, I mean, I'd like, I'm intrigued to find out how your BPO works, your call center business that you built, because I've seen so many. I've been in some, you know, um, so I know how they work in the Philippines. They call it the call center of the world, but I don't know if that's true. You know, but but um, certainly, you know, that's what I was around for the seven years. But I went to volunteer in the Red Cross, and you know, um, so. Um, I just like to hear your story about before, during, and after. How, how, what was you doing before that, and what made you go to the Costa Rica, and how did you build this business? And then tell us more about the business afterwards. Absolutely, and, and once again, thank you very much for allowing me the chance to explain my story. It all begins back in the day, back in Northeast Philadelphia in Pennsylvania when I was at Abington High School. When I was graduating in 1991, most of my friends were choosing certain vocations such as law, medicine, engineering, architecture. They had a plan and they were going to Ivy League and other sort of universities. It was, it was almost like their destiny was predetermined for them, and they had it already worked out. I myself, my favorite class was Spanish, and I gravitated towards that. I got a college recommendation from my principal and my Spanish teacher, which encouraged me to continue those studies. And I went to the University of Arizona because it's very nice and sunny and a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. I studied Spanish and communication for four years. And post-grad, when I was 27, I had the opportunity from a good friend of mine to move to Costa Rica and do about two months worth of English training with his call center staff. And so I came down just on a whim and decided to dip my toe in the waters and you working in the Philippines and me being in Costa Rica and seeing a call center for the first time, it's very dynamic. It's yeah. amazing the sort of infrastructure, equipment, and what they do there to be able to produce so much volume. And so I believe that I shed a skin that day, Dave. I realized that I wanted to stay there and learn the business. And I wanted to maybe have a vision quest or the Australians called a walkabout. I wanted yeah. my final adventure before I got bald, got married and settled down. <laughs> I've and got the same thing here as well. <laughs> So you and I took that chance. And, I'm and still bored and married. <laughs> that open mind. 
Yes, and sure. to learn about new cultures and to be embraced with those cultures. And, and the most amazing thing is that when you and I travel abroad, the things that we hold dear and things that are valued in our own country, in our own culture, sometimes don't mean anything where you go. And most people judge you, Dave, just on your essence. And for an example, reading your biography, which is incredible, being this international Division I athlete and being a firefighter, that is universal. People yes. can understand the fact that you invested in your body and you had structure and discipline and went to such high levels. And every country knows a firefighter. <laughs> so every country loves a firefighter as well, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I, I did it because, I, you know, in my heart, I wanted to do that, you know. So it was, it was really a passion for me to help people. But. Everyone loves a firefighter. When I was 10 years <laughs> yeah. old, I wanted to be one. Little did I know I was a CEO of a call center. So um, yeah. You was what, sorry? Uh, when you're a child and you're thinking of your future. A lot of the times it's, you know, you want to be an astronaut, a pilot, a firefighter. Oh, yeah. You want to be this hero. Yeah, yeah. And not saying that I didn't pursue that, but this thing almost, I gravitated towards it. It was a metamorphosis. I know that certain careers are not made, they're, they're just produced organically. And since I am a speaker and I enjoy the phone, and I love the art of speech where I could study rhetoric and the thesaurus. And I've complimented you prior to this podcast in regards to your Queen's English. I wish I could speak that well. <laughs> and um, the most important thing, my friend, was that as a business owner, when I was working at the call center, when you were in the Philippines, you realized that the agents sometimes did not have their dignity. And they felt like a number or a robot or they felt expendable. And as a business owner, I know that I could start from the core, from the foundation, as you did with your athletic teams. You start with the teamwork, and then you expand from there. And just going pure old school, because you and I grew up in the 70s and 80s, That's this right. was before the, the computers and phones, so you had to do it the old school way, where you got on your bike and you rode to your friend's house and knocked on the door to play. Or yeah, mind you, I did computer studies at school when I was at, well, high school, you call it. We call it secondary school. Um, so I did computer studies, but it was like basic, the language, basic, you know, and uh, stuff like that. What, like and Apple and uh, Microsoft Apple just, just, just and started. Yeah. Back in the day. What computer again? were you using back in those days? Um, well, it wasn't far off from a PC, actually, um, in the school. They weren't, but obviously it was a lot bigger. There were big things. Um, and I think they had like tapes, didn't they? Big tapes and, and things like that. So wow. they were massive. Uh, Our first was that Apple IIe with those floppy disks. And I floppy disks, that's right. Yeah. Programming and logo and DOS and stuff. And that's that was it, a exactly, lot of fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, database one, two, three, stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, at 27, when you're at a middle age, it's, it's, it's still okay to still find yourself. And you're probably wondering, Dave, why I wasn't this hotshot teenager or genius 20-year-old that started a company. Well, since we're friends, I, I may be candid with you. A lot of it has to do with impulse control and maturity. It took me into my mid-30s to realize that I would be responsible enough to fulfill contracts and work hard enough to ensure job stability. Not saying I couldn't have done it earlier, but there are certain stages in life when you know that you're more prepared for something. And so when you enter those stages, it seems a lot more natural and not a forced fit. And so I've, I've enjoyed my progression of 
moving abroad, learning the business for four years, realizing that I had the earnings potential to do this and I had the knowledge. And just don't kid yourself, I just didn't have a turnkey 300 seat workstation where I just walked into. I started off by renting a seat at a glorified internet cafe. It was more of a blended center or mixed center. And then from there, I saved enough money to rent space and then get used computers and furniture, which was in top condition. There's a lot of companies that do go out of business, and I was able to scoop up their stuff. And then after X amount of years, you save enough money to build your building and move it forward. So there weren't any loans. I didn't have any partners. I didn't pay any interest. I did it the way that my grandparents taught me. And they said, Richard, if you don't have the money, just don't do it. And for me to be able to sleep at night, Dave, I'd rather own the dirt than possibly have to give away back to a bank a three-floor building. And yeah. that's just kind of business model that I was sticking with, to, to be able to withstand the storms and yeah. to go through the tough times. And, and as I mentioned before, having that sort of uh, reserve of yeah. capital. Well, that's a, that's a true entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? Taking risks like that. Sure, of course. And I mean, life is made to take risks, but a lot of these risks have to be calculated risks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now you were a professional athlete and I'm sure you're excellent at multiple sports, but obviously the track is where you excelled the most. Yeah. And so you decided to invest your time there. And so I could have chosen many different vocations. I probably would have done well, but there was this still dreamer in me a romantic that wanted adventure and to go exploring and, you know, I'm not going to sail the seven seas, but being bilingual and having the opportunity to move to Central America in my mid twenties, it really just seemed like the perfect time. And, and I've been here for 22 years. I, I married a Costa Rican woman and she and I built this business together. Oh, wow. Okay. Of course. Very similar I'm the owner, to, but she's the boss, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> very know, similar to um, Philippines. There's a few that, that you know, I'm, I'm married to a Filipina, actually, but uh, she's not in the uh, <laughs> BPO business or call center business. But yeah, there's a couple, you know, people like yourself that's, that's actually done that. Um, I've been to Costa Rica as well. It's a very nice place. Very nice. It probably would have been a place that I would have probably retired to otherwise, you know, they're all Panama. <laughs> But I've Where did heard, you uh, go in Costa Rica? Did you go surfing or to the hot springs? No, I didn't do surfing. I just just stayed in I stayed in San Jose and went to the Caribbean Sea part, um, not far from Lemon, just okay. a bit further down from Lemon. Uh, Puerto Viejo is a very that's nice it, spot. yeah. Huh? And then I went up north, somewhere more on the Pacific side, to a resort in Guanacaste. Uh huh. Up in that area. Probably, I mean, yeah. To be honest, it's so long ago. It's about 20 years ago, believe yeah, it. Yeah, but I can ask but... you a question. When you're in Puerto Viejo, did you try their pate? That's some of the best food I've ever eaten. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a Caribbean kind of everything because I'm, I'm from Caribbean okay. descent. So uh, the food is Caribbean food. You know, it's almost like you're in the Caribbean, isn't it, really, there? So and how are the Jamaican pates are there? Yeah, are rice and peas. <laughs> it's kind of a, a blend of Costa Rican food because some of it's similar, isn't it, really, with the beans and rice and things like that. But yeah, yeah, it's Absolutely. very nice. You, and I'm sure when you were here and you mentioned being in San Jose for a while, that um, did you ever get a chance to go to the farmer's market and see all the exotic I didn't, no, no. I stayed, where did I stay? I can't remember now. But it was in, in near a hotel where they had a big TV screen and they're watching football. I think, no, the World Cup wasn't on then, but there was a lot of soccer being watched it <laughs> so, which i didn't mind actually 
was I just really can't remember the name of the places. It was like nearly 20 years ago. Yes, but obviously you still have wonderful memories here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I loved it there. Yeah, I would have probably gone there instead of Philippines if I, you know, my retired life. So it just happened to go the other way, you know. And the cost of living here, like in the Philippines, it's less than in the UK. Oh, a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can probably a third of the cost. So a third, whatever costs is here, it'll cost a third there. But I mean, with the cost of living going up everywhere, actually, because of the pandemic and probably the war in Ukraine for the UK anyway, at least. Um, but, you know, it's had an effect on things like oil and things like that and fuel prices. I have a good question for you. Did you ever get homesick for something when you were living in the Philippines? Not too much, because I've got a daughter, actually, as well. So I've got a seven-year-old daughter. Oh, okay. Who's a fan of this podcast <laughs> sometimes. Cool. Uh, um, and um, I, uh, yeah, I um, just had a family there. So, you know, the seven-year-olds, I, I was just raising my daughter and just did, had a lot to get on with, really. Because a similar kind of feel, you know, got volcanoes, mountainous speeches, but there's more islands. It's more of an island there, really. But I mean, Costa Rica, as I say, they had the Caribbean side. And I used to go to the Caribbean a lot anyway. And I've been to Cuba as well um, because oh. I've got family there. So it had a very similar feel, you know. Um, I just realized living abroad, you need a lot of patience. Because <laughs> the things you expect back home might not be where you're at. So take deep yeah. breath. Be prepared to wait sometimes and uh, just realize you are a guest yeah. in your country. And if you can do that, then you'll most likely be embraced. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm repatriating now. I'm not with my family. I haven't been in them for quite a long time and I'm getting kind of a little bit heartbroken rather than homesick, you know, so just trying to get that sorted out really. But anyway. But with your, with your child, it's probably one of the greatest experiences is to visit the world and live in different places in the world. Yeah. So I visited so many places actually. So that, that's a good thing. But um, yeah, so let's get back to the uh, call center. So you built this call center up. Um, and um, so that obviously didn't go wrong you've only got one call center there is it that is correct i have currently 150 seats at a 300 seat place but once again when the cameras are off it, it, i might make it look easy but in 2010 i almost went out of business oh. one of the worst things you could ever do is put all of your eggs in one basket right and unfortunately a client of mine it was in the debt settlement industry the laws had changed then and they had to reduce their staff and, and almost go out of business. So it affected our call center. So I learned a huge lesson is once again, to still be very selective of the campaigns that come in because this is a strict Catholic country. And as much as I think I could fulfill the needs of the client, I have to fulfill the need of the agent. Amazon is here. HP. Oh, you got Amazon. Yeah. Talking about offshore. You've got some big accounts in. Oh, huge accounts. I don't yeah. have them, but we compete against them. And so in order for me to scale and get some of the best talent, not only do I match their salary and benefits, but I have a different culture here. Dave, I start off with a gamification culture at my call center. Let me give you an example. They come in on a Monday morning at 7 a.m. for training. Class doesn't start till 7.30. From 7 to 7.30, we do recess. They go into my arcade to play pinball and Pac-Man and air hockey. So they can meet one another. They can hang out with the boss. They can reduce yeah. their stress That's and good, warm yeah. themselves up. And so it's good to have that, that kind of it, interaction, isn't it? It's important because you worked at such large centers. Imagine it's a happy medium for people in different departments to get to know one another. You can let off some steam so you don't burn out. 
You can recharge your batteries so you can perform. And it just gives you a chance to really bond and make friendships because that will reduce your attrition when people are very happy working together. And I, I start from within. I like to promote from within. And even if someone comes in, you've seen this too in the Philippines, Dave, they, they could be a freshman, right? They, yeah. They're bilingual and they have the skills, just not the experience. You and I could mold them. They're not coming in with bad habits. No. So it enables you and I with the proper structure and the resources to get them to a level playing field, but they do it Dave Palmer's way. They just <laughs> yeah. don't come in with terrible habits. And so- Well, hopefully if I- I'm when sorry. I build this podcast business, I'll have a team and I'll, <laughs> we'll do, get them to do it the Dave Palmer show way. Yeah. Yeah. But similar kind of thing. Yeah. Of course it is. And you're only as good as the foundation behind you. And if nobody shows up to your birthday party, you have no friends. So uh, I, I well, believe never in happened. positive reinforcement. <laughs> gladly, gladly that's never happened. But, um, and I've got a book. <laughs> of course it hasn't. <laughs> I've got a book and I did a couple of book signings and it's, I did one massive one in Manila, Manila book fair so i i was in a good place um and I, uh, the book launch went well i had a good turn up because even celebrities worry if anyone's going to turn up don't they really when they do their little books or whatever but um uh there was one a case when i flew back to london to do another book signing you know while i was staying in the philippines but i'm oh, flying back anyway because i flew back regularly to the uk and then um it wasn't really as successful as i wanted i think there's about three people that turn up but they were very close people that I knew. So never mind. <laughs> that only happened once. Isn't that the true face of character? You showed up. Your yeah, pen was yeah. ready. You were ready to go. That That's not the market speaking to you. No, you're, you're gaining momentum. You told me that you had a packed house at one place, but then you also had the one that three people showed up. And the yeah. fact that you mentioned it today means that it actually really does mean something for you because you were able to move forward and carry on. So yeah, to be yeah. honest with you, I think I prefer that one more. It's more intimate. I could spend more time with you, right? Yeah, exactly. And I could well, actually, um, so yeah. yeah, well, the free, the free well-known people, people known, um, it, I, I lived near a tourist part of London. It was in Camden, Camden town, no Camden, but famous Camden market, uh, in the holiday Inn, And uh, I think I didn't promote it well, but one of the people that turned up was my dentist who was quite you know it, it, you know he, he sort of knew quite well I said yeah come along and he did come along with another actually four people because he came along with another woman who did some writing around the similar topics to the book I did and then he I said yeah yeah come and have a drink afterwards with us so we just went and had a, had a couple of beers together he was investing in your famous teeth. He wanted to make sure when you're smiling, you've got a million. He's getting business out of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice that. of him to come along. And then we just socialized afterwards. So it wasn't really a waste in the end. I didn't promote it well, I don't think, anyway. Or I'm making excuses. But yeah, anyway, well, let's, let's get into the kind of um, strategy side of, of, of uh, your business, the telemarketing strategy, conflict management, interpersonal skills. I know we started touching on that just now, obviously, with building a rapport with, with your uh, employee and management, you know, relationships. Yes. Tell us more about interpersonal communication and conflict management strategies that you okay. use. Okay. Um, once again, it's, it's a challenge to try to out English someone from London, but I will do my best. Just once again, it's different cultures because I've listened to a lot of podcasts that call out of the UK and Australia and New Zealand. But I think that some of the suggestions I'm making are soft skills that would be universal. 
for English, right. okay? As I mentioned before, the thesaurus is very important for my agents because English is their second language. So immediately for conflict management, instead of saying words like help, I would prefer to use assist, guide, or lend a hand because once again, you are readjusting the tone from something negative to positive and you're avoiding any sort of ego defense rabbit holes that could be created from that. Let me give you an example of what it would be like to do an outbound prospecting lead generation call, if I may. It's very interesting. There's a simple structure to a conversation. Dave, I believe it's an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. And I'm a firm believer that the attention span is within 30 seconds to two minutes, just in segments, not a full 10-minute conversation. So let's just say, hypothetically, I'm calling the Dave Palmer company, right? And somebody, not yourself, answers the phone. The first thing I would do is a company name spike. I would ask how the Dave Palmer company is doing today. So I'm using my anonymity just as my first impression. I'm not anonymous the whole call. That's kind of shady. But the first impression that your assistant would hear would me saying the name of your company better than you and asking encompassing how everybody is doing. And so naturally, they're going to say, we're doing great. And then this is usually the first time they ask me a question. They will say, what is your name? What I have here, and I have an example, it's called a buffer boomerang technique. Okay? And it usually happens eight to ten times on a call. The first time you ask me a question, I would say, Kathy, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. I do a name drop. I buffer them out with the, that's a good question. Glad you brought it up. I repeat the question that you asked to show active listening. And then if you're a positive, I'll match you. If you're negative, I will offset it to make sure I can reset the tone with a positive Richard, positive David. And you do that multiple times, one, two, or three, depending on the sort of tone and questions they ask you. So now the individual likes me because I name dropped, answered the question, and I'm representing myself in the best light. And they're planning on transferring me to you. So what I'm going to let that individual know, using Kathy for an example, Kathy, I can't wait to tell Dave how amazing you are. It's a positive escalation. You worked at the call centers. You know you get money and prizes for that. And so when I get transferred to you, once again, I'm taking the advantage of anonymity before introducing myself, Dave, to say how amazing your assistant Kathy is. And so you think it's great, and then you ask me my boomer question, what is your name again? I get to bring it back. And now we're having a conversation, and the conversation's doing great. And there's always a time when you need to discuss your products, your one, two, or three items. And I believe a lot of times people will run through that. It's almost like desert pitching without an oasis. Because I know what I know, and I kind of need to know what you know. So there is positive and negative reinforcements. And so by pausing after you make a statement, you're gauging their level of interest. You know this. And so I believe that every single topic you bring up is almost like a dessert tray. It deserves its own presentation and performance. And then what I like to do, I call it raking, that after I give you three or four things about myself, I'm going to say, Dave, I'm sure you like at least one. You know, I'm brazen and I'm not to say 10, but I'm sure you like at least one. So I can take a horizontal into a vertical and start stacking those open-ended questions on where you're interested. So then I get through the body of the call, right? And I'm doing my buffer boomerang. I'm finding out your interest. But this is the most important part. It's called micro-expression reading, but I do it phonetically. People study body languages, but what happens when we're on the phone? Obviously, we're losing three of our senses, Dave. We're losing our taste, touch, and smell. Your hearing should be expanded because it's a controlled environment. People claim you can't see, but I say quite the contrary. Books are better than movies. 
And if you close your eyes, you have image streaming. So my only suggestion for individuals is to be a little bit more descriptive. So that's why here I have a phonetic microexpression reading. Phonetics is broken down into four different segments. You have your tone, rate, pitch, and duration. Think of this as a consistent study. Your tone, especially yours, Dave, is confident and empathetic. And I believe that should always be consistent. <laughs> Mirror imaging technique, which I know you're familiar with, should only be done during the rate and the pitch, how fast and how loud they go. Yeah. Why do we do this? Every 30 seconds to two minutes, if you do a spike or a dip or make a motion, it might be an indicator to ask a tie-down question or a pin-down question, if it makes sense or sounds good. Or for my clarification, did you say ABC or one, two, three? And so these are indicators non-visually that might give you a tell sign. But here, here's the skinny. These could be manipulated. Dave, you know people can ma manipulate a tone and rate and pitch. But the one thing subconsciously that they cannot do consistently is their answering speed. That's why the police always ask you the tough fourth or fifth question. <laughs> and they don't gauge your tone or your cursing or whatever, they gauge your answering speed. And so that's more of an insurance policy, not to say that they're lying. I didn't say that. But there might be some room for edification or maybe another explanation, okay? So we get through that section and we get towards the conclusion of the call, right? So I always like to recap what we did. I go, once again, Dave, since you have me on the phone, you told me you like A, do you remember we spoke about B, C, and D? And you go, I like D, of course you do. Dave D, of course you do. And so we start talking about D again. So I raked you one more time. And then I finish it up with a military alphabet. Okay. You have your UAF, we have our army. And you know your alpha, bravo, Charlie, Delta. Yeah, the phonetic alphabet. Absolutely. And so when I am confirming your information and the call should be concluding, yeah. while I'm confirming certain spellings and I do the military, don't be surprised if somebody says, hey, I served or know somebody that served. Now, for my own family, my uncle was in the Second World War. My dad was counterintelligence post-Korea. So right. I'm proud of that. And I bring that up. And I'm very proud of your UAF. You guys are awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm very well, we, proud use, we use phonetic alphabet for our radio, you know, yeah. call signs and, and things like that. So, uh, and then finally, after we've made that connection and I'm writing you a letter, I will do a written positive escalation of everybody that assisted me in getting me to you. And, and this is prior to contracts. And when I call back and Kathy answers the phone and she knows it's me, you know she's going to say, Richard, in the last 12 years, you're the first person that ever wrote about me like that. And that's the Richard Circle Day. That will give you an ethical call. We're not being slick. We're being a little bit clever. And we're being very strategic in order to do active listening to reduce. Oh, finally, how about this? Everybody's working from home these days. And so you might hear a dog in the background or a child or a distraction. I believe that inadvertently and passive aggressively, you and your audience could use the Me Too technique. I love dogs. I'm sure you love dogs too. So the dog's barking. I can't hear you, Dave. Dog's barking. And I go, I love dogs. Yes. And then I'll say, Dave, what's, what's the dog's name? And you're going to say Fluffy. Wonderful. And then you obviously realize you put Fluffy outside and then you come back to the call and we talk for a minute. That's wow. accurate. 
because it's not what I'm selling or concluding or trying to buffer boomerang you. Your dog came up. We're talking for a minute. And my friend, that's usually the time when you say, excuse me, what is your name again? He asked me earlier, but, but not now. You're asking me now. And I say, that's great, Dave. I'm so glad you asked. Once again, it's Richard Blank. And now you're name dropping me for the rest of the call. So <laughs> I always give, and, and you worked in quality assurance in the Philippine centers. You know how you grade KPIs and metrics. I'll grade you on that if that's what you want me to do. But I give you the most points for the soft skills. If you buffer boomerang, if you positive escalate. And if the client says your name, not in the introduction or the conclusion, but in that body and you anchored them good because of fluffy, you get 500 points. I might even buy a pizza that day. And I couldn't be more proud because instead of being a print, Dave, yeah. you're a painting. You're not a character. You're in character. You're still raw. You still have the essence. And if you continue doing that, then you're going to be exceptionally successful. Excellent. Well, Richard, I'm really inspired by what you've done. And, and, and really, I've never heard this, you know, it's so much well, value given to the listeners for a start and for any communication skills, not just call center, but it is imperative because I did, you know, got to know a bit more about the, the call center and BPO business um, because I was around it, you know, because I didn't know much about it otherwise. And, you know, it's more than customer service, as, you, as you've mentioned with what you've mentioned. So it's really great for you to come on the show and give all this value. Um, what would you, uh, with your whole experience and your journey before, during, after, you know, uh, Costa Rica and your call center, what would you uh, give any any kind of advice you would give for anything they want to do in life, you know? Um, and of course, tell us the name of your call center in case there's someone listening that might you want to pick up an account or give an account. See, <laughs> I prefer that they buy a first class ticket and fly and visit me first. That would be wonderful. Well, that's and, right. And yeah, I might do that. <laughs> if I, if I earn enough money for this podcast, I'll do that. <laughs> I know people are expecting me since I'm a telemarketer to sell you something. So let me tell your audience to put your checkbook away. This is not a sales call and it's not uh, no. forcing a hand or twisting an arm. And, and I do appreciate you allowing me to share my business. But let me leave you with something here that the most important thing is having me time, Richard time. And I have certain hobbies. I love working out every day. So I'll get up at 5.30 every day and, and I'll go to my home gym where I'll do the cardio, the weights, I'll hit the bag and, and do my stomach. I'll eat a very good breakfast because I feel that's extremely important, not trying to sound like I'm lecturing, but your health is essential. And look at this sort of podcast we're doing. You know, I got to eat two lunches to get my energy back after this. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's really about when I'm washing my convertible car or I'm doing a pinball marathon on a Sunday, yeah. After about 20 minutes of decompressed stimulation day, what happens is my mind starts to wander. I'm not an Eastern meditator, so I can't just sit there and do that for a while. I, I have certain ways to connect and find my balance. And one of them is about allowing myself to get into a certain rhythm where I'm not on the phone, I'm not with people, but I'm still doing something active that I thoroughly enjoy. So I can double gun. I can be productive and reinforce the pastimes that I love so much. But then it allows me to be humble and grounded on how I got there. And I, I mentioned earlier about dignity. The one thing that I love doing in a call center is walking the roads. I love stopping by people when they're making a call and giving them a thumbs up. 
And I just don't say, hey, champ, you're doing a good job. No, I'm going to tell Dave exactly why he's doing it. And he's still a champ, but I'm going to let him know why he's doing a great job. I listened to your call. I heard how you spoke with the client. I heard the rebuttals. You sounded interested. And when somebody realizes that I'm sincerely investing in them, look where you got. Imagine the coaches you had since you started at the peewee sport level to the middle school, to the high school, to the college, and then your professional level. Look at all the different coaches that said, go Dave, go. I believe in you. Kid, get up early, stay late, stretch, eat, be nice to your family, do well in school. Don't take the easy way out, Dave. Take the hard way out. And you ran so fast, you jumped so high, but nobody saw what it was like those early mornings when you didn't want to get out of bed. And it was cold and rainy. And all your friends said, well, maybe tomorrow. No, you did. And, and don't kid yourself, it's not that like you had a smile on your face every day. There were days you, you were not feeling well. You're only human. But there was something inside of you, maybe it was that agreement that you had with little Dave and big Dave, when you looked in the mirror and you said, we're going all the way and we're doing this. And I've also found in my journeys that there's a lot of times you'll have naysayers or gray believers. And these are usually people that love you the most and they just want to protect you. But maybe they just don't understand your journey and where your heart is and where you're going. Yeah. So, so as long as you have good intentions and good faith, and as you're doing saving people from burning buildings and putting your life on the line, yeah. my good friend, I would be remiss to compare my career to yours. You were a real <laughs> hero. You saved people. You were there during the worst day of their life. And you probably gave a thousand hugs. And you probably gave so much of your energy every day and you still were able to go home and have a successful family. So to have that sort of incredible, all-encompassing energy, Dave, I'm in awe. And that's why I wrote you. And that's why your show motivated me. And you Thanks. just Thanks. work with athletes and entertainers. You talk about amazing stories from everywhere in the world. And, and I was bold enough to thought that I qualified. And I wanted to be part of these people that speak with you. And the fact that you accepted me, I can't wait to show my entire call to you. <laughs> well, and, thanks very much, Richard, yeah, for, for contacting me like that. And uh, yeah, I knew you'd have a great story to tell. And, yeah. you know, there was a way I can relate to this. And, you know, that you, I know you can give some value and you have. Thank you, um, Dave. So, it was my um, pleasure to share my best with you today. <laughs> Yeah, just to round things off, I really do appreciate the fact that you did contact me and come on the show um, to share your story, your journey, um, your expertise, and obviously giving great value to my audience today. Thanks very much, Richard. The value was given back to me. I've made so many new friends through your podcast today, especially you. Thank you, Dave. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or head over to my website, davepalmer.com and click on Rate Show. Well, that's all for now, but I'll see you in the next episode of The Dave Palmer Show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.